Crystal Craven, a singer, a songwriter, and a worship leader who is passionate about sharing what God inspires. And this is your weekly devotional. Right, we are going to wrap up this section on the Transfiguration. So we'll be reading from Luke 9, 32 through 35. And behold, two men were talking with Jesus, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, about which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he had said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my Son, my Chosen One. Listen to Him. Now, as we are wrapping up this section, there are three spiritual applications that we are going to dig in and take from it. So, um, the first one is, Jesus' appearance had already changed, but the disciples didn't see Him standing in glory until they woke up from their heavy sleep. Now, although this was actually true physically of the disciples, they were in a physical heavy sleep, the same thing rings true in our spiritual states. If we are walking through life in a kind of spiritual sleepiness or haze, we aren't going to see Jesus who's with us and in us through the Holy Spirit. This was part of the admonishment to the believers in Ephesus when Paul wrote in his letter, uh, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of all the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, these end days that we are living in currently, right now, in 2023, these are evil days. And we need to stay awake with our oil lamps full, being very careful to walk in the light of Jesus. If the unfruitful works of darkness don't stir up a desire for justice, and if the grace and mercy of God don't stir up a desire to worship and to reach out, then how likely do you think someone is to walk humbly with their God, which is good and what the Lord requires? I want to encourage not to let the sleepy haze of this world's darkness keep you from seeing our glorified Lord Jesus and hearing the voice of God. Now, the second point here uh, to note is 
even though Moses and Elijah had appeared in glory, uh, the description here was that the disciples woke up and they saw Jesus's glory and then two men with him. I mean, Moses and Elijah had been dead for a long while, and apparently Peter recognized them because he later suggests making tents for them, and he says them by name, right? Yet, in the recollection of this event, the remembrance wasn't first that Moses and Elijah were there. It was seeing Jesus's glory. There's this quote by Charles Spurgeon that just words it so well. He said, the apostles saw the greatest of the prophets and the great lawgiver after whom there was never the like until Christ himself came. Yet the inspired record concerning this event is they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. Now, God in his glory should drive a desire to be in the presence of him in his glory. I mean, it's, it's so amazing and yet also a simultaneous fear and a reverence in light of it. We may get to see great things in this lifetime, of which include you know, great people of God and great works of God, yet nothing in all of creation will ever compare to seeing God in his glory. Now this third... Um, point of application that we're going to go over um, is just like when God's glory filled the temple, a cloud had come and overshadowed them. And yet in the cases of the Old Testament priests who couldn't even enter the temple because the glory of the Lord, the disciples were able to enter the cloud. They were afraid, yes, but Jesus was right there with them. And they were able to enter through the cloud and hear God's voice as he made a declaration and a command. Now, this isn't the first instance of God's glory being likened to a cloud or um, even to smoke in the Bible. We see that when the temple was dedicated by Solomon and when the tabernacle was in the wilderness, um, and then also even when Isaiah uh, had the vision of the heavenly temple, this was also the case. So I'm going to read these few instances here. The first one is Second Chronicles 7, verses 1 and 2. And it says, as, as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire descended from heaven and burned up the burnt offering and sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter into the temple because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's temple. And this next one is uh, from Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 through 38. And it says, The cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tent. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tent. Whenever the cloud was lifted up from the tent, the Israelis would set out on their journey. But if the cloud was not lifted up, they would not set out until the cloud was lifted, since the cloud of the Lord was over the tent by day, and the fire was in it by night in the sight of all of the house of Israel in their in all their journeys. And the last one, um, Isaiah 6. This is Isaiah's vision, and we are reading from verses 1 through 4. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. 
Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Now the disciples, they got to experience something that Moses longed to see. In Exodus 33, it describes that Moses asked God to see his glory, but God told him he couldn't see his face and live. Now he did put Moses in the cleft of the rock, and he secured him with his hand while he passed by, and then Moses could see his backside as he walked by. But with Jesus, they saw it and lived. Now apart from Jesus, we could never see the Father, but in him, as the Father and he are one, we can experience the glory of the Lord. And just as Moses and Elijah appeared in glory, we too will be changed and appear in glory with him one day. Now let's move on to just the heart of the matter here. Although we currently, you know, see God only dimly, since we can't actually see him face to face right now on this side of eternity, the time is coming soon and so very soon. So we don't want to be caught up in the things of this world or asleep spiritually when our master arrives. And even though we see dimly, it doesn't stop us from seeking and seeing him through the lens of his word, in which is found pure joy amidst the evil in this world. Now, ultimately, we need to stay alert as followers of Jesus who are sojourning in this dark world, knowing that we look forward to his return one day when we too will be changed and behold his glory face to face, of which we know that nothing could ever compare to. written devotionals and originally written songs, visit crystalcravenmusic.com. And that's Crystal with a K.